Good morning, and welcome to O Readers Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kathy Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, December 22, 2016. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page XXV, beginning the doctor's opinion. Today's readers are um, Esther F. on the 12 Steps, Rebecca B. on the 12 Traditions, and reading the text are Lynn S., Nancy R., and Irini M. The reference number for yesterday, December 21st, is 9377. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Esther F. to read the 12 steps of OA. Good morning, everyone. This is Esther F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio. The 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Esther F. And Rebecca B., could you please read our 12 traditions? 
Uh, yes, hi. Good morning. This is Rebecca B, a uh, recovering compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks so much for letting me do service. Have a great day. I pass. Thank you, Rebecca B. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page XXV, uh, beginning the doctor's opinion in the big book. I will ask um, Lynn S. to get us started. Good morning. This is Lynn S a recovering compulsive reader from Toronto, Canada. The doctor's opinion. We of Alcoholics Anonymous believe that the reader will be interested in the medical estimate of the plan of recovery described in this book. Convincing testimony must surely come from medical men who have had the experience with the sufferings of our members and have witnessed our return to health. Um, Lynn S., Recovering Compulsive Reader from Toronto, Canada. Um, it, it, this is such an amazing 
start of the book that we are leading into the doctor's opinion and just thinking when they talk about it, the, the we of Alcoholics Anonymous always gets me um, the unity, the inclusiveness, the gathering together of a, a fledgling of people who before were suffering for such a seemingly and hopeless state of mind and body and now there's a group and they're together and they have a plan of recovery and it's described here in this text and just thinking of Dr. Silkworth who worked with Bill for so long and many, many other alcoholics and never saw any recovery and saw the incredible suffering but then saw Bill recover and then the other people who followed saw them recover. It's just, what an amazing experience. What a miracle for him to have witnessed and then to actually be able to write it down in the book. I, I know we're going to get to it, and I know there's people who have a lot better knowledge of the history of it than I do, but it's, I feel like we're on the precipice. We're going to watch this miracle unfold, and I think I'm going to pass with that. Thanks. Thank you, Lynn S. Who would like to share on this opening paragraph? Harlan G. This is Bella G. Can I share? Okay. Kim G. I got Harlan G. and Bella G. And then? Katie, Katie G. Katie G. Melissa C. Vasa O. Vasa O. Kim G. Kim G. Okay, let's... Monica T. Okay, Monica, I got you too. Let's stop there. So we have... Harlan G, Bella G, Katie G, Melissa C, Vasa O, Kim G, and Monica T. Please go ahead, Harlan. Thank you. Thank you very much, Team Thursday. Thank you for your service. Harlan G, recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. I'm so excited that we're starting the doctor's opinion today. What a what a wonderful time to be on Vision for you. What a wonderful day to be listening. We're, we're now about to embark on the foundation stone of everything that we're going to build on. For thousands and thousands of years, people have philosophized and wondered about what alcoholism is and what it is not. As far back as 4,000 years ago, King Solomon in Israel, he wrote that he believed that alcoholism was an illness, but he couldn't, he couldn't prove it, and he had no cure for it. In England, in the 1640s, there was a doctor named Dr. Trotter. Dr. Trotter published a paper in which he believed that alcoholism was an illness, but he couldn't prove it, and he had no cure for it. The very first Surgeon General of the United States of America, one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence, a man by the name of Dr. Benjamin Rush in 1790. He published a paper in which he believed that alcoholism was an illness, but he couldn't prove it, and he had no cure for it. William Duncan Silkworth, up until October 29, 1929, Black Tuesday, the start of the Great Depression, was a neurologist in New York. On October 29, 1929, he lost everything he had. 
and he contacted his friend Charlie Towns. Charlie Towns was the owner and operator of this nationally prominent hospital specializing in alcoholic and drug addiction. And Charlie Towns owned the Towns Hospital. And Charlie Towns gave Silkworth a job for $35 a week in November of 1929. And between November of 1929 and when he is going to meet Bill Wilson in 1933, he treated thousands and thousands of people who came through that hospital. He's going to use the pronoun men because most of them were men, but not all of them. And he's going to formulate his opinion, and we're going to study that opinion in depth as we move through the days. It's an exciting time to be on vision. And what he's going to do is he is going to lay out for us the very nature of this illness, that it is not a matter of willpower, that it is not a matter of stupidity, that it is not a matter of anything except this. A physical allergy, allergy meaning adverse abnormal reaction, and a twist of the mind. And the twist of the mind makes it impossible for me to stay stopped, and the allergy of the body makes it impossible for me to control the amount of food I eat once I've started because of the actual physical craving for more of the same. He is also going to tell me three times to put the food down. I'm going to stop because I've come up to my time here. But every single day that I am alive, I owe a debt of gratitude to Dr. William Duncan Silkworth, the little doctor who loved drunks. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Harlan G. Bella G., please go ahead. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G, and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Katie, for doing this service. Please speak lower because it's too loud. Could she please lower her volume? Thank you. Thank you, Katie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. We of Alcoholics Anonymous, yes, this is my beginning of my recovery. Before I was in the program, I my belief was, my way of thinking was me, I, and could, myself. Could Bella, could Bella speak a little lower? Because I don't want to have to lower my volume. Yeah, you can lower your volume on the phone. Please do that, okay? Bella's doing the best she can. Thank you. Go ahead, Bella. And my belief was that I am the only one the only one you're welcome. The only one that has problems with my weight. I am the only one that has problems with with my relationship with my higher power with God. I thought that I am the only one that I don't have the willpower. I am the only one that suffer. And because I believe that I am the only one, I was miserable. I didn't want to be social. I couldn't social. I was lonely and alone. I didn't want to share my feelings. I was afraid for my feelings. And this brought me to jealousy, to resentment, to anger, and you name it. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that now I am in the program, my way of thinking change. Today I change 
and no more I and me and myself. Today I believe we, we are a wonderful family. We are all here together to share our experience, strength, and hope. It's not only me. It's the we. We are a family that we suffer and we found a way to recover. Today I am not connected anymore to my ego. I am connected to a loving, accepting power because I get the power of the we. Thank you for letting me share my peace. Thank you, Bella G. And Katie G., please go ahead. Thank you. It's actually, it's Katie S. Oh, I'm sorry, Katie. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Fine, thank you. So, um, Katie S., recovered Kim Popler reader. And I'm going to focus on the line, convincing testimony must surely come from medical men who have had experience with our sufferings of our members and have witnessed our return to health. So um, back when this book was written, uh, there was no real plan to recover alcoholics and drug addicts, but you get thrown into the mental institution or you get thrown in jail. And then comes about this doctor and this plan, which changes everything. You know, wait, I think that there's something here that's, that's, Organic, that is a medical issue happening within the alcoholic. And, you know, today we actually have a lot of evidence uh, that is showing the same thing in food addiction. And I feel like 10 years ago, if you would have talked about food addiction, people just act like you're an idiot. That's not real. There's no such thing. Um, It's not a drug, blah, blah, blah. But there has actually been a lot of research now showing food addiction is it does the same things in the brain um, on an fMRI that drugs do, and you know not to mention specific foods but sugar in particularly within like uh, labs is showing just as addictive as cocaine or more, so having this testimony from medical research really helped me to recognize that my experience is real. Whether or not other people want to believe, oh, okay, food addiction is a real thing, my experience that showed me I am, you know, like spending my last dollar to go to get fast food or, you know, whatever whatever it is that I'm showing the same behaviors as the drug addict, it really helped solidify that whenever medical testimonies supported it. So there's lots of research out there that's also outside issues, but people can check it out. Okay, thanks. Thank you, Katie S. And Melissa C., please go ahead. Hi, good morning, Kathy K. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C. Recovered in New York. And, um, yeah, I'm also thinking about this convincing um, medical testimony. And, um, yeah, that it's convincing because it's effective, you know, that this is real um, and that people who were truly suffering, myself included, um, have been restored, you know, that, that things have turned around, which makes you know, in one hand, like, no sense how I could go, um, and I, you know, can talk for me personally, how I could go from a person who could not leave the food alone. I could not do it, no matter how much 
how how many times I was lectured and scolded and humiliated, nothing helped, and yet has been recovered, you know, and so that's the the biggest um, proof, that's the testimony, and, you know, um, I remember a number of years ago um, having, like, a little heated discussion with one of my brothers um, who, you know, has been thin his entire life um, and doesn't seem to suffer from this addiction, you know, or others. And he was saying to me, well, that makes no sense. How could you possibly be allergic to certain foods? We don't have, um, you know, any food allergies. What do you mean you're allergic to it? And, you know, and I found myself, like, arguing with him a little bit. And he said, well, what if you accidentally ingested it? And you didn't know. And, and um, you know, that's not really the point, whether I'm going to, like, get crazy and defend it. Because um, I can speak, you know, all I want. The, the real testimony is in the actual recovery. That, you know, here his sister is. He ceased arguing with me because, um, you know, there's no need to argue when you see that it's effective. And so um, I, I feel like for myself, people in my life might not understand food addiction, um, but they can certainly bear witness to um, me living recovered, you know, and that's, um, you know, and I think, what's my charge here? Stay recovered, be recovered, carry the message through being recovered. And, um, you know, and I know, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is a real thing. Um, I only have to, you know, think for a moment about the suffering that I endured and how today I'm not, you know, and um, thank you with that I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Vasa O, please go ahead. Thank you. Thank you, Katie, for your service, and good morning, everyone. I'm Vasa, grateful recovery, recover compulsively to call from Foxborough, Massachusetts this morning. But anyways, I am so excited to be here and reading the doctor's opinion. It reminds me when I came back, when I came to the program many, many, many years ago, and reading, and, and, you know, and to read it again, I'm just so excited because I'm not there any longer. And uh, I, you know, I had no idea prior becoming, become, coming to Overeaters Anonymous that eating disorder or whether it's compulsive eating, under-eating, bulimia, anorexia, uh, I, but I could understand the pain the people that were sharing at the meetings, their story, where they were, and how they recovered. And I was really also shocked to understand that then, you know, I had allergy. I knew there was a mental obsession because I could not stop it, but mental, I thought when I came to the program was, I need to be hospitalized in a mental institution or something like that. That really scared me. But anyways, um, I'm just so grateful that um, this is, a program for people that want it and and work it and do it, you know. And I took that action. And I had a member, you, you know, not, I don't know, how long after my program, she said, well, are you just saying that you're, ab- you're just staying away from those things just to say you're abstinent for many, many years? I said, no, it's going to be kill- It's going to kill me if I continue doing what I was doing. She did come in the program and stayed for one week, and she couldn't do it. And she left the program, and she's still addicted to the substance. But anyways, 
you know, I heard people come from an alcoholic home, you know, which I do. They have the allergy, and and we, I have a tendency to have the, the disease because I was using the sugar myself like the alcoholic, using the booze, whatever they're using, you know. So it, I'm so excited to start again in the doctor's opinion and just, just to share and hear other people's recovery and the healing and the growth through the 12 steps. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. And Kim G., please go ahead. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G. I am shaking with excitement at the doctor's opinion. Convincing testimony must surely come from medical men who have had experience with the sufferings of our members and have witnessed their return to health. You know, I've, Dr. Silkworth, it's estimated, he worked with about 50,000 alcoholics. And he started to see there were different types of alcoholics. There were certain people that would come into his hospital from a bad bout of consequences from the alcohol, and he would dry them out, and they would leave the hospital, and he would never see them again. And there was another percentage of them that they would come into the hospital, he would dry them out, they would leave, and they'd come back maybe a second time, maybe even a third time. And he would sit them down after he dried them out and have a logical conversation saying, you know what, it looks to me like you can't handle your drinking. My suggestion is don't drink at all. And they would leave the hospital and he would never see them again. But there was a certain percentage, about 10%, that no matter how many times he dried them out and no matter how many times he explained the consequences of their actions while they were sober, they would return over and over and over. And he estimated that type of alcoholic was about 10%. And we're going to see words in this, in this chapter in this book called the chronic alcoholic, seriously alcoholic as I am, an alcoholic of my type. So for those of you who are returning to OA again, or those of you who have stayed in the rooms chronically relapsing, ask yourself, are you part of that 10%? Because I have to tell you, two-thirds of Americans are obese according to to, uh, you know, medical stuff. I don't believe two-thirds of Americans are compulsive overeaters. People who, are compu- who, who compulsively overeat may not need a 12-step program. The tenants, the six tenants, which became our 12 steps, was made for people who want a relationship with God. It'll help a lot of people. But if you're part of that 10%, then you're going to have to do these steps because it's the only way that we can recover you know, we have this twofold illness, which is going to be described. I have an allergy of the body, which means when I ingest certain substances, I cannot reasonably predict how much I'm going to have. But my bigger problem is I have this mental twist, this mental obsession, that no matter how many times I, I experience the consequences of my eating, and I'm abstinent and I'm not experiencing the phenomenon of craving, my mind tells me it's going to be okay. And this chapter is going to tell me first I have to address the physical allergy, and then I'm going to address the mental twist. And it's going to tell me the, with the allergy, the only relief they have to suggest is entire abstinence, and the only relief they have to suggest for the mental twist is an entire psychic change. Ask yourself, how many of you, like myself, had a twofold illness and were trying to treat it with a one-fold solution of abstinence? And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Monica T., please go ahead. 
Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, everyone. I presume you've called me here as having a little technical difficulties. This is Monica T., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. Yeehaw! The doctor's opinion. You know, what brought me here? Pain. Pain. Not knowing what was wrong with me. You know, what was wrong with my body? What was wrong with my mind? And what was wrong with my will? You know, I kept doing the same things over and over again that I did not want to do. What hope in this first paragraph here? We. Who's the we? The 100. The first 100. What? Recovered alcoholics. And we are going to get a medical estimate, a medical estimate of a plan of recovery. And it's coming from a well-known doctor who's the chief physician at a nationally prominent hospital specializing in alcoholic and drug addiction. And I was told to write in my little book that those were very important credentials I had just been given, that I had just read. Important credentials. Monica, listen up. This man knows what he is talking about. And the other thing that I was told to write in my book here was, Monica, this book is a textbook, which is a transfer of information from one person or a number of people to my little wee brain. And that was not a novel. Listen up. We're going to hear a plan of recovery. And like was brought out in the history, you know, this disease goes back thousands and thousands of years. Finally, a plan. What hope for me here? And how do they know this is working? They have witnessed a return to health. You know, these bottom gutter drunks who had absolutely nothing and left, had lost everything in their life, became useful, productive human beings again. What hope? And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica T. Who else would like to share in this first paragraph? Nessa R. Anonymous believes that the reader will be interested in a medical estimate 
Now, you guys done explain the other part, but the medical estimate is let's get physical, physical. Let's put this thing down, whatever it is. Um, I could tell you for myself, I, I didn't want to get physical. I wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to just do me. And um, until I was interested 100% in the medical estimate plan of recovery, in this described in this book, then no, no recovery was ever possible. And, you know, I just had another thought, too, that I wanted to bring out. Um, you know, I think we beat the crap out of the, the recovery rate in Overeaters Anonymous. Let, let, let's move on with that talk. And, you know, let, let's charge ourselves with, all right, you know, we're recovered. We're, we're flying past the airports and, 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 and the clouds and the airplanes. What are we personally doing to carry the, the, the medical estimate plan of recovery described in this book to the quote-unquote weak meetings, to the quote-unquote 2% recovery? What are we doing personally? I mean, we could talk to the cows come home on vision for you and say, yeah, the, the recovery rate is horrible. And, 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 you know, I go to my big book meeting and, 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 and nobody wants to talk about the big book. You know, I'll give you a suggestion. Take your three minutes and, and share your experience, strength, and hope. What, what it was, what happened, and what it's like now for the medical estimate and plan of recovery that you have in your life. You are charged with, we are charged with a responsibility, just like the we that sacrificed um, to make this book and Dr. Silkworth is describing it. We have that same responsibility and burden to carry the message to the quote-unquote weak people or the still suffering. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Charles H. Edini M., please go ahead. Amen to that. Thank you, Kathy, for your loving service. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini M. from New York, and I'm a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, always giving thanks to the one and only God. So when I first came into these rooms, I so identified with all of you. You know, we have the same stories. I was blown away because I thought I was the only one. And my very first sponsor that I had only worked with me through the OA workbook while the big book was collecting dust on my shelf. And I didn't want to buy that big book in the first place because I judged the book by its cover. And at the time, my thoughts were that I'm not an alcoholic and I don't drink, but I certainly eat. Then years down the road, I was blessed by a sponsor who was a big book thumper. Everything started to make sense, and I found out the truth about myself. Yes, I am a true compulsive overeater. We are of the same. The same in what? We have the same specific problem, and also we also have the same specific solution. And here Dr. Silkworth had given his opinion, which today can be scientifically proven about the allergy of the body. And he was so convinced that he was willing to put his reputation on the line to support drunks, you know, getting recovered. So he was a blessing to all of us. He was the medical saint. You know, he had certain knowledge of the alcoholics that he was working with. And <clears throat> and he defined the real problem of our true nature of our illness. 
which is that we do have an allergy of the body, which gets triggered once we take that very first bite, and then the phenomenon of craving kicks in, and we can't stop once we start. And then we even have a bigger problem, which is the obsession of the mind. Once we stop, we can't stay stopped because we just can't remember what happens to us. And so we pick up once again, starting that vicious cycle over and over again. So I began to collect all of this information in my head. And I had to bring it into my heart and then push it down into my feet and become the words in this book. So I was willing to go to any lengths because I couldn't breathe from the voices that were polluting my breath, those voices that were shouting in my head, stuffing and inhaling the food down my throat as if there was no tomorrow. I had no choice but to follow exactly the plan of action described in this book. And today, thank you, God, I am recovered. And I so believe that you, as a newcomer on this line, will also be very interested to see the plan of action in this divinely written book that I, too, followed and got recovered so I'm, a live, I'm, I'm, I'm living a happy, joyous, and free life, and I am a testimony, and others are my witnesses that I have returned to health. Thank you, God. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Irene M. Nessa R., please go ahead. Hi, good morning, Vision for You. This is Nessa R., recovered in Toronto, Canada. Um, whenever I, I, I read the beginning of the doctor's opinion, the same phrase grabs me over and over and again, and that's the, the phrase, plan of recovery. Um, and, you know, like, what is recovery? Recovery means not having to compulsively overeat to, uh, to get through life. It means that not only food is not an option, um, it's not even an issue. It's not on the radar screen. It just... It's just neutral. It is neutral. And, you know, by the grace of God through these 12 steps, um, I haven't had to compulsively overeat to deal um, with whatever comes my way for almost five years. Um, and I, I know that like, it says plan of recovery. It doesn't say plan of sobriety, plan of abstinence. And, you know, when I first came into the rooms almost 14 years ago, Every single meeting that I went to read um, the, uh, the customary pages of how it works. And then people were asked to uh, share on a tool or a slogan of, or of their choice. And, you know, considerable time was spent on the tools and the slogans. And nobody was asked to share on a step of their choice. Um, the discussion about the steps was was minimal if its existence at all. Um, the focus was on the, on, the, on, the, on the slogans and the tools which make up for a plan of abstinence, which is what I worked, which is what I worked for nine years. And, you know, while I did achieve abstinence um, some, you know, a few times, and sometimes for a, a lengthy period of time, six months or a year, I was never able to keep it. Because when I work a program of abstinence, in the end, I don't even get abstinence because what I'm doing is white knuckling. I mean, I'm still obsessed with the food. I'm still planning, you know, how to stay away from it or, you know, if I'm in the food, how am I going to get it and so, you know, hide it and, you know, whatever. Um, 
but a plan of recovery is totally different. A plan of recovery takes the food totally out of the issue, out of, out of the equation, and it gives me uh, much better tools for coping with life. It gives me access to a higher power who will solve all my problems. And that is indeed what's happened to me um, in the past five years since I was taken to the big book. You know, the first 164 pages do not discuss the tools, do not discuss the slogans. It just discusses the, the, the steps and the precise instructions that lead to that neutrality around the food. And that's, that's, that's what I've been practicing for the past five years so that, that I don't need food anymore to get along. And that's such a blessing. And I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. Larry Kay, please go ahead. Thanks, Kathy. Um, Larry Kay, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. <clears throat> you know, my um, my daughter, um, she has a peanut allergy, and the man, the physical manifestation of her peanut allergy is throat constriction. And I've I've been there. You know, I've seen it. Um, now she's 21 now. She carries an EpiPen. Some of you may may have an EpiPen for an allergy. Um, she, the most, it's it's real strange. She didn't need a spiritual awakening, um, in order to stay away from peanuts. She yet, if she's accidentally exposed, her throat still constricts. But she doesn't. She's not driven back to get more peanuts. And she doesn't have to attend Peanuts Anonymous in order to stay away from peanuts. It's crazy, but she doesn't. And as far as I know, there's no Peanuts Anonymous being planned anywhere in the world, not here, not anywhere. And that's because she has her adverse reaction, uh, the allergy is the throat constriction, but she doesn't have that far more insidious aspect of the disease, which is this strange mental twist. She doesn't have the double whammy. Nobody with a peanut allergy has the double whammy. Nobody has the physical allergy and the obsession of the mind. And that's why she doesn't need Peanuts Anonymous to stay away. And she's not driven back to peanuts when she's treated for throat constriction if she's accidentally exposed, which she was about two years ago. It's pretty scary. So um, this, you know, it, for me, the doctor's opinion, if I don't embrace and understand, fully understand the twofold nature of my illness, there is not a shot in the world that I'm going to see this practical, practical program of action through. I'm not going to see it through because I'm going to continue to see this issue as something that I have control over. And I will be driven back again and again and again to Barnes and Noble, to various places to find self-help means in which to stay away from that which is killing me. Now, I don't know why that was the case for me, but it was the case. I was driven back because I saw this as a disease, a moral disease, a moral disease, a failing, a personal failing that I could rectify. And I alone could rectify this personal moral failing. I could push myself, if I, if I just strengthen my will, strengthen my ego, I'll do it for myself. Never worked. I wouldn't see a need for these steps. Now, thank God, 
I know that the steps work. They changed me. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Uh, Reva P., please go ahead. Good morning. This is Reva P., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. I wanted to share on two things. First of all, I'm reading here about the credentials of Dr. Silkworth. He's a well-known doctor. He's a chief physician. He's at a really good, you know, well-respected uh, hospital. He has seen over 50,000 alcoholics. So I'm aware of research and levels of evidence. And if he has a sample size of 50,000, he has, you know, level one good evidence um, that what he's saying is credible. Um, and yet, it's the doctor's opinion. It's only his opinion. And that reminds me to have humility because even at the end of the 164 pages, the first 100 remind me we know only a little. And when I think I know, I'm in trouble. Every day I have to remember I know only a little and I ask my higher power for everything, small and large. The second thing that struck me is the convincing testimony because, you know, I'm very stubborn. I can read this, and if I had not been convinced through my own experience, reading this book, as was mentioned, not just like a novel, but an intellectual book with evidence would not have done it for me. I needed to get to my bottom where I just could not do it. All my best efforts had not worked. The only real evidence I needed was my own experience that I was not able to live physically, uh, mentally. There was no spiritual aspect. And it reminds me in how it works. You know, if I really want to have a different experience, I can have people who are walking um, research projects of evidence of how it works and how it doesn't work. But I need to get to my bottom where life is objectionable and hopeless. And then I'm at the turning point. And then I can embrace this plan of action um, and do what it says. But um, I need to be convinced that I can't fix me. Um, and there's people doing research all the time in the meetings. I see evidence of people whose lives uh, physically and in every other aspect have been transformed. And I see people who show me how it doesn't work. Um, so the choice is mine. Um, and am I willing to go to any lengths? And if so, there is a simple plan and there is so much hope that it can be a different experience for me. With that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. Barbara B., please go ahead. Thank you. This is Barbara B., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Massachusetts. And I am so thrilled to be once again looking at the doctor's opinion, which I look at every day of my life. Thank you, God. But I'm focusing on the introduction of that element, as it said, a medical estimate of the plan of recovery, a return to health in those terms medical and health for me was a turning point the getting that it is indeed a disease which can today be very well substantiated and profiled 
But the impact of the fact that it was a disease for me came about when I went on an OA retreat many years ago, and the retreat director was a consecrated religious woman who was a compulsive overeater, and she was loud and clear. She wanted to get the message through to us, retreatants, that compulsive overeating is not a sin, it is a disease. And that was pow. That was like a piece of a puzzle that made me see, as I went on with new eyes and a new light of what was required as a solution. I mean, it could not just be a spiritual solution. I could not just continue to go to groups where leading authors said, if you resolve the issue with your mother, you will not eat. And I ate on the way home because I couldn't deal with it. But to get that piece of the puzzle, that it's a disease which requires a certain outlook, acceptance, and then treatment, the plan of recovery, but keeping in mind the medical aspect of this disease. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Barbara B. And Shannon S., please go ahead. Hi, this is Shannon F. Can you guys hear me? Yes, I can. Awesome. This is Shannon F. As in freezing, because that's how it feels up here in Minnesota. But it doesn't matter because you guys have warm hearts. So, anywho... Um, I have to share a lot of joy this morning. Um, I feel like I might have initiated myself into the Big Book Thumper Club. Um, I'm excited to really dive into the beginnings of the Big Book. About, I don't know, like early spring, yeah, late spring, early summer, I started to do the vision for you phone meetings, 6 a.m. Um, in my time zone. And in the morning, I'm thinking, God, this big book is so boring. You know, there's no pictures in this big book. And it's got cumbersome words. And really the underlying language of that was me, 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 I, I, I. I want something to entertain me and something to, you know, stimulate me. Um, but thank you to all of you guys that have shared the history, your knowledge, and your stories and your passion for the big book because, I thought I knew I was stuck in my self-absorbed ways, and I was I was blocked. And I I I could sense that from your stories that you guys got through that brick wall, um, and I God gave me the same opportunity that you guys had as well. So I thought we would do the big this this phone meeting every single morning, and something something at some point will shift. And day after day, I kept listening to you guys saying how much you loved this book, how much you're so grateful for these people that paved the way to make this big book um, a reality. And just really understanding, learning, and feeling the magic behind it. Um, I just, I can't scream some phrase loud enough on this one. Um, but for the newcomers, if you guys were like me, where you're just like, God, this is boring, this 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 text is heavy, it's dense, they don't get it, don't worry. Keep coming back. People can suck uh, with the stuff of a sponsor like I did, and something you'll start to see a shift one page at a time. Um, and I just, I found that it, it with I had to absorb the joy and the passion from the other members like a leech. 
in order to actually have a breakthrough. So don't give up hope. Um, keep going as best as you can. Um, but I feel like light as a bee buzzing around. So I got to express a lot of gratitude for the people that paved the way to make this book happen and that you guys are carrying the message day after day with your passion, your joy, and your honesty that not every day is a magic, but you can have some breakthroughs. So thank you to Bill. Thank you to Bob for writing this and that medical professionals recognize this, that this is a condition. This is a disease. This is not because we're just bad people or we can't get our crap together or we don't have enough willpower. It's not that. We have a spiritual sickness we hold in our heart that need to be filled with our higher power and the steps and the relationships of this, um, this brotherhood, this sisterhood, um, and this union. So I think I've been babbling. So thank you for being on the line, guys. You have saved my life. I got a pass. Thank you, Shannon S. And Debbie Kay, you'll be our last share today. Okay. Uh, good morning, everybody. My name is Debbie Kay. So we have one of our visionaries. I'm, I'm being heard, right? Yes, you are. Okay. Thank you. So we have a visionary who shares about the language of the heart. And I just want to share um, about the language in my heart this morning. You know, this is a season of gift giving. And I'm sitting here with tears in my eyes because I'm one of the 10%. I'm a chronic relapser. And today I have 10 precious days and I'm listening to all of you share, and I'm thinking about this gift that this physician, William Silkworth and Bill W. gave to the world. And, and I'm very grateful that this time of year, uh, we're reading this, and I feel like this is my gift that I'm receiving today from all of you, and my heart is open with gratitude. So thank you for letting me share, and with that I pass. Thank you, Debbie Kay. Okay, it's now time to close our meeting. Thank you, everyone who has shared. And please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164 and follow that by the serenity prayer. Okay, um, let's see. Uh, Nancy R., would you please read on page 164 a vision for you meant to be suggested only? Okay, I sure will. <laughs> Give me a minute. My book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. 
see to it that your relationship with him is right. And great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.